0: Hosea chapter 2, I really, really believe this is going to help some people this morning. How many love those words? It'll help you out. Amen. And this leads right into what Tony said and what happened at the rally and the different things um, that we heard during those messages of how we just have to stay in the right place. Be in the right place at the right time and not miss the destiny of God and uh, I want to I want to tell you this morning that God's plan always has been to redeem us, Amen. How many believe that this morning? It's always been God's plan to redeem us, to bring us to a place of good relationship with Him. But I want to I want to just uh, give you the title this morning, so you can write it down and, and get an understanding uh, of what God wants to tell us this morning. And right before I do. Um, My family and I went on a little getaway for a few days. And while we were on the road, we played some games. We did some Bible trivia. And then my daughter, Destiny, found a game called Would You Rather. So it was all these crazy questions of would you rather do this or would you rather do that. And it was kind of interesting. And uh, there's a lot of examples. I was trying to get her to to find a couple of examples for me, but she said she couldn't remember them. So I I found a couple. But this is the idea. Uh, if your parents had to give you one punishment would you rather so it's that kind of question and then it says would you rather live without your phone or live without your computer ipod and clean clothes now that might sound like a no-brainer to some of us but how many know some teenagers that might choose the phone over clean clothes amen So that's the idea I'm not going to read a whole bunch of other examples but how many get the idea that you kind of have to choose between one or the other and I want to ask you a question this morning would you rather go through a lot of trouble on this earth and go to heaven or would you rather have a good perfect life on this earth and go to hell seems like a no-brainer amen. But when you really begin to think about this, we we sometimes forget that this life is hard. Paul, can you shut that door back there, please? Thank you. This life is hard. Amen? Has anybody gotten to realize that yet? Life is hard. And and God never promised that it would be easy. And and staying the course and staying in in the will of God is not easy. Because there's always things pulling us away pulling us to to the flesh, pulling us to the easier road than going on the road less traveled. And Jesus said very clearly in the word of God that the road to what? Destruction is what? Wide. It's easy. But the road to heaven, the road that is a narrow gate, and it's a, it's, a, it's a thin line, and it's a line we have to walk on that leads to everlasting life. And so if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down, trade tra- trading your trouble for a door of hope. Trading your trouble for a door of hope. And I want you to think this morning as we're going to look at the book of Hosea, chapter 2, in a minute. Let me give you just a second of background, real quick, because I want you to understand the book of Hosea in chapter 1. If you'll just look over there, real quick, for, for a second in chapter 1 before we read chapter 2. How many know sometimes we've got to understand what chapter 1 is talking about to get what chapter 2 is talking about? And chapter 2 is going to show us something here in a second, but chapter 1 shows the gospel. I want to help you this morning if you're new in the Lord, if you haven't gotten an understanding yet of the Bible, there's a lot of things you can read in the Old Testament that can confuse you. And we, we heard last week uh, some, some messages, and especially Pastor Paul's message, that we realized that uh, Jerry Springer and, and uh, all these crazy shows on TV, reality shows, don't have anything on the Bible. The Bible's got some crazy stuff in it. I mean, some wild stuff. How many went back and read that chapter again and went, man, that is some crazy stuff in that chapter in Genesis 37, amen? But as you look at the Bible, here's why the Bible is, is has those things in it. If you were to, I remember this happening to me. You begin to read the Bible. You begin to look at some of these crazy stories in the Old Testament about what I'm gonna read in just a second. You begin to see these things and you go, God, did you make a mistake? Why in the world is that in there? Aren't you trying to show the world you're perfect? Aren't you trying to show the world you're amazing? Why do you have this crazy stuff in your Bible? Don't you want people to believe that this is a real book written by a real God? Can you, how many are following me? Well, guess why God put those things in there? Because God wants us to understand that we, he understands that we're real people. And we're real people with real problems that need a real God. Amen. Amen. And if we didn't have these, if how many know if everything was perfect in the Bible, none of us would be able to relate. If everything was just, if they only put the good stuff in there, and, and that's what you really got to get in your understanding about the Word of God, is God didn't accidentally put those things in there. God allowed the things in there. There's nothing in this Bible, no matter how weird it sounds or how much it doesn't make sense, that's not supposed to be here. Everything, if you really believe Timothy, it says every word is inspired by God. It's breathed by God. It's God's written word through man. And that no word in this Bible was spoken out of a man's imagination or desire, but it was written by God's hand upon their hand. And the word of God is God's word this morning. How many believe that? And so Hosea chapter 1 says this crazy thing in verse 2. He says, go take yourself a wife of harlotry. For the, and the And children of harlotry, for the Lord has committed great harlotry by departing, for the, Lord, for the land has de- committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. God tells a man to go marry a prostitute. And then he says, I want you to marry that prostitute, and I want you to have kids with that prostitute. So that sounds crazy, unless we understand that that's what Jesus came to do with us. Jesus, how many know the Bible says that he is the bride? Sorry, we are the bride and he is the groom. And he came down to marry us. And how many know that we're not marriable? How many know as human beings we are harlots? We're lost. we're, we're, We're forsaken. We're downtrodden. We've made too many mistakes. And how many know that if you really be honest, as the church of Jesus Christ this morning, we don't deserve the groom, Jesus Christ. We don't deserve him. And so he says, go and marry a harlot. Take yourself as a wife of harlot." in this book of Hosea. And he begins to talk about, he uh, wants you to go marry her. And then it, just paraphrasing, Gomer goes and does this. And, and so he goes and takes Gomer, sorry, to, as, his, as his wife. And, and then she begins to rebel. She begins to go back to her old ways. And that's the battle that a lot of us have this morning is the devil wants us to go back to our old ways. And he wants us to go back to do the things we used to do. And you've got to make a choice this morning. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stay with God. And then in the beginning of chapter 2, he begins to say some things about how unfaithful God's people are. How many know some unfaithful people? Amen. But let me tell you something as we move forward. You need to get some, some horse on a parade vision this morning. And you need to get your eyes off of the left and off of the right. And you need to keep your eyes forward. I was praying in the prayer room this morning. Lord, help me keep my eyes forward. Don't let me get off on the left. Don't let me get off on the right. My my walk with God and your walk with God is personal this morning. And you and I have to make a decision that we're going to make heaven our home. And we have to make a decision that I'm going to trade in all this trouble someday for a door of hope. Amen. How many are glad that you can trade in your trouble this morning for a door of hope? Amen. There might be a lot of stuff around you this morning that you're going through that you don't understand, but by the time this message is over, you're going to be excited by knowing that God has a trade-in for you, amen? And so it says in Hosea 2, verse 14, after he says all these things about God's people being unfaithful, and then look, 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 thir- look at 13, just to see something, uh, 11, 12, and 13, he begins to, to be, uh, I don't want to say human because God's not human, but how many know we're made in his image? and so don't think that God doesn't have thoughts okay stay there with me for one second don't I'm not I'm not making God human God is not human but the Bible says we're made in his image and and how many remember when when God was going to destroy the earth and did he even said "I, I wish I would not have even made these people that's a thought God said, I wish, I, I wish I wouldn't have even made these people. So God thinks. And so then we see in this book of Hosea, he says, Go and marry this prostitute, knowing, God knowing that when he marries that prostitute, that prostitute's gonna do what prostitutes do. She's gonna go back out. Have you ever tried to put yourself in God's place with you? How much he loves us on credit? Knowing that at the end of the day, many of us—and God forbid—in here, but if I might say, many of us Christians around the world are going to turn away from their first love and leave God. That's written in the Bible. Don't think it's not going to happen. It's in the last days. People's love will grow wax cold. So you have to make a decision. I'm not going to look around at everybody else's lives. I'm going to stay in love with God myself. But God says, I'm a, I need you to go take care of this. And then, and then that happens. And then all of a sudden, he says, oh, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. And he goes on to say in verse chapter 2 before we get to 14, he starts saying, I'm going to destroy this woman. I'm going I'm to destroy Israel. I'm going I'm I'm to burn him. I'm going to tear him up. <coughs> and he's, he doesn't do it, but he thinks it. Say this with me. Thank God god doesn't do everything he thinks can you say amen amen thank god god doesn't do everything he thinks thank god for his nature and his character which is what always redeeming always bringing us back to him. And so he says right there in 13 of chapter 2, These, I, I'm going I'm to make a forest of her. I'm going to punish her for the days of the bales to which she burned incense and decked herself with jewelry and went after her lovers. He's talking about the things of this world. But she forgot me, he says. God says, she forgot me. And he's frustrated with her. And then all of a sudden, thank God, he turns. His heart turns. And he says, therefore, behold, I will allure her. See the character of God? He goes from wanting to destroy her to remembering, no, that's not what I do. I restore people. Amen? None of us would be alive if God did what he probably wants to sometimes. None of us. But he says, I'll I'll allure her. All of a sudden, between verse 13 and 14, God has mercy. How many believe this morning that our prayers can change God's hand? I believe that. The Bible doesn't say it right here in 13 to 14, but what if some people of God at that moment were praying? God, change, change your hand. We need to be praying for our nation. God, change the hand of judgment that's coming upon our nation, Father. Have mercy upon us. How many know that God can change in one second what he, what he's, what he needs to do and what we deserve for what he really wants to do, which is Restore. And he says, I'll allure her, bring her into the wilderness, and watch this, I'll speak comfort to her. I'll give her vineyards from there. And, I, and the, watch this, the valley of Acor as a door of hope. And that's why you say I'm trading in the troubles for a door of hope, because the valley of Acor is symbolic of trouble. You need to understand that before you have a blessing, you're going to have trouble. Before you have a triumph, you're going to have a battle. Amen. You need to understand that before the victory comes, there's going to be a fight. The quicker you understand that in your walk with God, the quicker you're going to be victorious. He says, I'll give her verse 15 vineyards from there and the valley of Acor as a door of hope. She shall sing there. Watch this as in the days of her youth and in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt and it shall be in that day, says the Lord, that you will call me my husband and no longer call me my master. That's the heart of God. That he would redeem us and bring us back. And so I want you to begin to think about your life and, and the things that you do and the trouble you have. How many know that Israel and us are the, are the apple of God's eye? We mean everything to God. But how many would be honest this morning? don't we'll have to raise your hand or even shake your head or even say amen. We don't do many times what God deserves of his love. We're unfaithful people. And we need to realize that's our character and our nature. And we have to fight against that every day. That's why we come to church. That's why we pray. That's why we try to get the word in. That's why we try to do right. Because our nature is to do wrong. Our nature is to be ungrateful. Our nature is to turn away from God. Our nature is to go the easy road. Our nature is to do things that are not pleasing to God. And we see this all through the Bible, all through the Old Testament. God is always trying to lure us back in, even in our lowest, darkest place. He's always trying to call us back. And we as people are always pushing away. Pushing away God's love. The valley of trouble. He said, I'll give her the valley of Acor for a door of hope. The va- Watch, you might have recognized that name. The valley of Acor was symbolic of where Achan was slain for his trespasses during the battle of Jericho. How many remember that? That battle. How many remember he was hiding some stuff in his room? And he was slain for that. And so there was a place of trouble out of Joshua 7. You can read it later. And it's the defeat of Ai. It's the story of Achan's sin. And they're trying to figure out why they're not having victory. And then they find out there's sin in the camp. There's sin in the camp, and there's things that need to be dealt with in that area. And then they, it comes out, and then it's dealt with. And verse 26 says, they raised over him a heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger, where the name of that place, the Valley of Achor, is unto this day. And so somehow, how many have ever said, why is this happening to me? Ever asked that question? Why is this happening to me? How, you know, sometimes it, it, we, 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 we know when we've done wrong. And we say, okay, God, I made a mistake. And, I, and, and the quicker we repent, the quicker his mercy is. They're waiting for us. But how many know sometimes it seems like we're doing right? And it seems like it's not working out. How many have ever been doing right? And it seems like nothing's working out right. Right. I hope I hope all of us have been doing some right, trying to do right, trying to see the answer, trying to see the victory. And it just doesn't seem like it's coming out right. And so many ask this question, why is this happening? And we understand that our sins bring forth uh, consequences. How many have seen in your lives around you sin destroy homes? and then sin destroy the children in the homes and the generational curses come and one after another people are doing what their their parents did and and they they don't have a really have much of a choice cuz all they've ever seen is brokenness that's the kind of people god came for amen they're hurt they're stunned they don't understand and, and 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 here we see over again in another story of the bible that god's people are turning their back on him but guess what god doesn't give up easy Tell tell somebody next to you, God ain't giving up on you. You believe that? God's not giving up on you. He does not give up easy. It's amazing how many times we can push God away and he still wants to pull us back. How many are glad God's not like us? Amen? Because we push away so many times and as human beings we're like, forget it. You don't want me? I'm not staying. God says, I'm staying. Amen. I'm going to love you all the way to hell if we choose to go there. Amen. I'm going to love you all the way because you are my child. He says I'm going to give you hope. And, and he keeps on reaching. He keeps on pleading. He says, I'll allure her in that verse and I'll speak comfort to her. And listen, the valley of Acor trouble means a door of hope. Jesus. Amen. How many know that Jesus is the door this morning. Isaiah 57, for, for time I'll read it, you can write it down. Isaiah 57:17 and 18 says, For the iniquity of his covenantness, I was angry and struck him. I hid and was angry. He went on backsliding in the way of his heart. I have seen his ways and I will heal him. I will lead him and restore comforts to him and his mourners. That doesn't even make sense. He's sitting here saying they have iniquity, they're covetous, I'm angry at them, I struck him, God does so different than us. When we see somebody doing something to us and we're angry and we and, and, and we struck them and we're mad, we just keep on being mad and we just keep on striking. God says, no, I don't want to do that, uh-uh, I want to lure this person back to me. I want to make sure that they, that, they, that I want to restore this person to me, Israel this, the, the people of Israel, our forefathers, have always been unfaithful. They've been spiritual adulterers to God. They've seen miracle after miracle after miracle, and they turn their backs on God all over and over and over. Listen, I want you to think about something. When you come to church, how many know what you get, what you get out of church has to do with what you put into it? 100% remind yourself of that we have to remind ourselves of that there's certain days there's certain services there's certain weeks there's certain times when we're in praise and worship and we're in the word and we're in a service and we're listening and we're thinking and we're, maybe we're saying oh man God are you here is your presence here why is it so dead in here why is, why is why where's the love how come no one's raising their hand whatever there's all these thoughts we have and things go through our minds but it all has to do with what I bring the table what I bring personally to the church service I come in and I say Lord I'm gonna I'm gonna worship you I'm gonna praise you regardless of what I'm going through I'm gonna plunge deeper in relationship with you I'm gonna soar higher than I've ever soared I'm gonna go further with God than I've ever gone I'm gonna get closer to God than I've ever been I'm gonna love you more than I've ever loved you I'm not worried about everybody else around me I'm gonna have church all by myself not really by myself but in church that don't mean stay home and have church by yourself. It means it doesn't matter what church is looking like or feeling like when you're here. You're having church. You're having church. Amen. And you you, you, you look at church as not something you have to do, but something you get to do. Because uh, God forbid you be sitting in a cell someday or a hospital. You know how many people are in jail this morning and in hospitals that would love to be at church? Amen? Don't take for granted the privilege and the opportunity to be here and commune with God and commune with his people. Amen? But it's, it's like, she, th- we don't des- I don't deserve God's love. That, that's the thing we understand, but how many know the devil's good at pushing that knife in and turning it? You don't deserve God's love. Yeah, I know, devil. I know I don't. And God says, don't listen to him. He's the father of all lies. He's the deceiver, he's the liar, he's the the biggest liar. Don't listen to him. Here's a powerful thought. How many realize, looking at some of these stories, Hosea, Jericho, before before the walls fell, that many times the Israelites fell and lost battles, you'd read some of these things and you'd think, God wouldn't want to put those in the Bible. How many, when you go to do a resume for work, put your times you were fired on your resume? or the times you were late, or all those different things. You don't do that. When you put a resume together about yourself, when you're selling yourself to your employer and trying to make yourself look good, you're only putting the good stuff. Isn't it interesting that God puts the bad stuff? God put his defeats. God put the times in the Bible where everything didn't work out. So some would say, this is a bad rap on Israel God why are you talking bad about your kids and and why are you why are you speaking of them not crossing the Jordan instead of some other you know why don't you why don't you pick a victory to talk about why here's why because the Bible talks about the losses too okay that'd be good to write down the Bible talks about the losses too why so I can relate because there's nobody undefeated in here we lose. We don't lose the the ultimate war. We don't lose the final thing, but we lose battles. How many have lost battles in here before? But guess what? If you're still in the battle, you haven't lost. If you're still in the fight, you haven't lost. The only way you can lose this morning is by throwing in the towel. As long as you stay fighting, you cannot lose. You're going to have some kinks in your armor. You're going to have some times when you're on the ground. You're going to have some times when you're down. But the Bible talks about the losses too, so we can relate. Say, man, that's me. Can you imagine reading the Bible and everything was perfect? Everything worked out perfect every time and everything was great and no one ever failed? No one ever made a mistake? Can you imagine there not being any Davids in there? Can you imagine not being any any uh, uh, Sarahs in there? Can you imagine not being any uh, Lot's wives in there? Where's to show the mistakes? We would think, I can't relate to this Bible. But God chose to use the foolish things to confound the wise. God was basically saying, look, if you'll stop looking at the loss as as a loss and start looking at the battle as a victory, I'll start giving you more victories. I need you to start looking sometimes at even defeat as a way to be victorious. Because it's in the darkest times of our lives that God really wants to speak to us. Because after Acor and I, they went into the promised land. He was showing that, yes, they failed, but there were some that stayed the course. Tell, you want to tell yourself this morning, I'll take that valley of defeat and trouble, and I'll make, God says, I'll make it a door of hope. I'll take your struggles, I'll take your failures, I'll take the times you've messed up, and I'll turn it into a valley, to a door of hope. Amen? How many have seen God do that in your life? How many have got, seen God take something bad and turn it into something good? Amen. It's, it's, it's given you character. It's grown your faith. It's helped you learn how to walk. Amen. He says, I'll turn your situation around. What, what glory could God get if everything was always good? What, what understanding will we have of God's mercy if we never had his judgment? We have to understand. I've said many times, and I'll say it again this morning, I'll, I, I'll, I'll never have a great understanding of heaven unless I understand hell's where I'm supposed to be. When I understand that hell is where I'm supposed to be and that was my destination and that was the place I deserved, it makes me realize more how wonderful God is that he would give me heaven. Amen. Amen. If I don't have a valley of trouble, if I don't have uh, uh, opposition, then I don't understand how great his victory of bringing me out of that opposition is. That's why we have to learn to look at those situations in a different way. You need to leave the stones bury your mistakes. You need to turn from the rubble that marks your failures. Stop looking at those things. And you need to start looking at the door of hope. A new vision. And you need to start looking at forgiveness. You need to start looking at deliverance. Amen. I want to close this morning with this thought. The purpose of the dark valley. The purpose of the dark valley. Why do I go through valleys? As the the Israelites were going through the desert, the wilderness, the Bible calls it, at night, here's a thought to think about. There's a verse that I know my dad has always loved and and I've learned it and remembered it, and it's, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen. Amen? Amen? Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. But there's another thought to that. If it was always daytime, we would never see the night and understand night. If it was always daytime, we'd never have the night to show us we wanted daytime. But here's the interesting thing. You cannot truly see God in the light until you've been in the darkness to see his light. If you think about the promises that God gave Abraham, for example, he says, I'm going to make your descendants he said, "As the sea on the uh, sand on the seashore," but he also said, "As the as the stars in heaven." Remember that. Well, if it never would have turned night, he never would have been able to see the stars. And it was in the darkness of night that he was able to see the promise. You can't see stars in the daytime. You see the moon. You can see the sun. You might be able to see a huge planet, but you don't see the stars. We need to understand that it's at the time of darkness, Egypt. The Egypt, how many know that in that place when they're going through the wilderness in Egypt, they were able to look up and see those stars at night in their time of despair and say, God is going to deliver us from this. I want you to go to Genesis 15 to close up. Genesis 15, I want to show you a really awesome story all the way in the beginning of the Bible. Genesis 15. Say amen when you get there. How many know that God has many promises, but he always asks something of us? How many have grown to understand that? Amen? When I say ask something of us, I don't mean that we do something to to be good enough. We'll never be good enough. Or that we do something to be saved. But God asks things of us. And we have to realize that we are his vessels. Have you ever been praying and said, God, what a privilege that you would believe in me? What a privilege that you would want to use me. What what an amazing thing to think that the God of the universe wants to use me. My life. In Genesis 15, how many know God had given Abraham a promise that I just talked about? That he would have children. And that he would have, and this, like I said this is kind of funny and interesting that this is all tying together with the testimony this morning. I didn't know what he was going to testify. I had no idea he had adopted kids. The promise that God gives us, and I'm preaching to myself. God gives us promises. And I'm standing up here this morning as somebody who has not seen what I know God has promised me I would see. I've not seen it. I've seen glimpses, I've seen pieces, but I've not seen what God has promised me. But the one thing, one of the things I've learned over the years is I've learned to understand that when it's dark, the sun's about to come up and it's always darker before it gets lighter amen and 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 when it's dark you learn to trust god and you learn to listen to his voice more amen when you can see everything that's why the bible says we walk by faith not by sight if you could see everything that you needed to see god wouldn't need we wouldn't need god how many would love to have the not 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 going to, this, to the to the witchcraft side, but how many would love to have a, a Christian uh, crystal ball, <laughs> amen? Something you could look at and see how things were going to turn out. Wouldn't that be nice to be able to know? Some of you are trying to make some decisions, uh, whether it's work or family or situations, business, job, uh, relationships, and you're thinking, God, can you just show me how this is going to turn out, so I can know which way to go? Well, guess what? God don't work that way. But how He does work is he'll, if you allow Him, He'll take you by the hand to some of the darkest places, and let you sit there in the darkness, so you'll know who He is and hear His voice—that still small voice. So He speaks to Gen- to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, and He tells him, "I want you to uh, sacrifice some things." And he says, "I'm going to give. I'm going to make a covenant with you." but I want you to do something for me, okay? And so he says in verse, look at verse 7, if you would. He said, I am the Lord, verse chapter 15, verse 7, who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. How many know that's a promise? He says, I'm going to give you this land. That's a promise. So whatever promise it is you're believing for this morning, you put it there in that place. And, and, and Abraham says, God, how shall I know that? that I will inherit it. So there's his question. God, can I see Can I see the crystal ball? Can I see the future? Can you show me how this is going to work out? See, human nature wants to do that. Human nature wants to, and I'm right there with you. I want to know. I want to be able to see a, 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 with, with my family, with my life, with this church, with situations. I want to be able to say, God, can you just show me the end from the beginning? I know you know it. Oh, I guess I'm not speaking to anybody else in here this morning. I must be the only one that does that. Well, Abraham was with me too, amen? He said, God, how will I know? So God says, let me, let me, before I answer you, and actually says, really, I'm not gonna answer you. He says, bring me, verse eight, nine, sorry, a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female, goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He says, I want you to sacrifice to me. Now, we don't have the animals today, but the sacrifice is still today. Okay, yeah, not for salvation. This isn't works. This is him expecting something of us. How many know God's promises are worth the work? How many know his promises are worth the trouble? If you really think about how much trouble we go through in our lives for things that don't amount to a hill of beans, but we won't do it for God, think about that. How much trouble do we go through sometimes for something we really, really want? Yet God asks us to sacrifice a little. Whatever it is, and for each person, it's different. He's always asking us different things that he wants us to sacrifice to him. So he says, Abraham, he asked that question. He says, basically, God says, I'm glad you asked. Here's what I want from you. Be careful when you ask that question. Matter of fact, it's probably better you don't. Just say, God, I don't want to know. I'm speaking to myself. God, I don't really want to know. I'm just going to keep trusting you because I really don't want you to ask me for something that I know you're going to ask for a big thing. How many have seen that before? Be careful what you ask for. Right? So Abraham asked, and God, God said, well, God said, I want you to bring me these things. And so he brought all these to him. Verse 10, it says he cut them in two down the middle, placed each piece opposite the other, and did not cut the birds in two. And then watch this. He does what he says. A lot of times we miss the blessing right there because we did what he said, but that's not enough. Write down in your notes, follow through. Follow through. Circle it. Underline it. Make it big. So you understand God wants and needs and expects follow through from us it's not enough just to say okay God I'll do it how many know that 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 saying yes is easy but staying the course is not easy staying in the battle is not easy Amen? It it was easy for Abraham to receive the promise, God is going to do great things through you. How many have ever heard that? God is going to use you. God is going to speak through you. God is going to bless. Oh, we love to hear those things. Oh, speak, Lord. Come on. God's going to bless you out of your womb, out of your, you know, all those prophetic things that sound so awesome in a service. And like one of the pastors said this last week, then Monday comes and you wake up and nothing's happened. And, and you know, like when they do the, the calling out and pastors are like, yeah, we want to go. And remember, remember somebody was saying about, about this in this rally, they call them up. I think it was pastor. Doug, they call them up, man. Everybody claps and they come up in their good clothes and they were going to send to the city and oh, it's so exciting. And then the next day you wake up and realize what you did. Right? Sounds great at the moment. So God says, Abraham says, God, how is this going to work out? God says, Abraham, I want you to get some sacrifices. I want you to sacrifice them to me. Abraham says, okay, I got this. That wasn't the hard part. The follow through was going and getting the sacrifices and cutting them and obeying and doing what he was supposed to do. wasn't that hard. Here comes the hard part. Look at verse 11. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. That's all I want you to look at. So he makes these sacrifices unto God and probably thinks, as soon as I cut this thing open, man, God's going to bring the answer. As soon as I lay him on the altar, God's going to bring the answer. We do things a lot of times and we expect, someone said during this rally too that God's a genie. And we get disappointed because things don't just work out. Like We just think, man, I'm just going to ask. You know, a lot of times we hear testimonies like Tony's, and we we, we hear the testimony, but we don't hear the, the fine writing. Three years, two years, a year, here, there, back, forth, come, go, do. We forget all that. We just hear the big one. Amen? How many have seen God do some miracles in your life, but it wasn't one day to the next? But if you stayed the course, so he's thinking, I'm going to cut these things open. And as I'm doing it, man, God's just going to bring the blessing. So he does it, and then he starts waiting. All right, God, where's the answer? Where's the answer, God? And it takes so long, how many know vultures don't just show up all of a sudden? They don't just show up all of a sudden. He's been there long enough, probably all day. Because let me show you something. Go back to verse 5. Let me show you how long he's been there. Then he brought him outside. This is when when, when when he's talking to Abraham. And said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. He says, so shall your descendants be. That had to have been, church, either early that morning before the sun came up. Or the, sometime during that night, because he would have been up, wouldn't be able to see the stars. So he goes and does what he says, and literally, most likely, church all day long. He sits there over those over those sacrifices, and has to beat the carcass the the, the vultures away from his sacrifice. How many know that's where a lot of us are a lot of the time? We're beating the vultures. Come on, get this. We're beating the vultures and the devils, and the haters, and the jealous people, and the people around us, and the things around us, and the situations around us off of our sacrifice so that God won't be consumed by them while we wait for the door of hope. Now, that could go a lot of different ways. And you take it wherever the Holy Spirit wants you to take it. All day long until God came to him. Amen. There's times, listen, I'm closing, that the glory of God can only be seen in the darkness, in the blackness of the night, in the depths of your valley. Sometimes. Jacob was in the dark trouble. Sorry, dark of trouble when Esau was pursuing him to kill him. Remember that? And he's running from his uncle Laban. David was in the darkest times when he was running from Saul. So I want to close in John chapter 10 if you'd go there with me. And I encourage you to go back and read Genesis 15 in your time alone. But John chapter 10, I, all, all weekend long I've had this, this spirit of the door. The door. The door. God, is, Jesus is the door. Amen? And he's not just the door of salvation, church. He's the door of hope. He's the door of deliverance. As we're about to read John chapter 10, and I'll ask the musicians to come forward, as we're about to read this this morning, the Bible tells us that after, after Israel had had these troubles, how many know there was a 400 year period of silence? How many know that biblically? And if you don't, I'll just tell you there was 400 years where God's word was not spoken. There was nothing. How many know that that was there for a reason too? How many know there's sometimes it seems like, God, you haven't spoke to me for a while. I haven't heard you for a while. That's why Jesus, sorry, God said in his word, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. He did not say the just shall live by the organ or by the song or by the touchy-feely. Or by the goosebumps, or by the latest prophetic word. He said, The just shall live by faith. And we walk not by sight, we walk by faith. And Hebrews even goes on to say in that same chapter, It's impossible to please God without faith. So if you're in a dark time this morning, you're in good company. That means God's doing something in you right now. There was 400 years of silence, but guess what came after that 400 years of silence? Jesus. Jesus came. He came on the scene. He came down to this earth to live in a human body, God in the flesh. And he broke the silence by saying, I am the door. I am the door. John 7 Sorry, sorry, chapter 10, verse 7 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. And he says in verse 9 again, listen, church, something only God can say, I am the door you realize that there is no other deity or God that exists in this world that can say those words? I am the door. Do you realize that he did not say I am a door? Amen. I am the door. Right. The one and only, the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. He says if anyone, and how many are thankful for the anyone, enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture, meaning the blessings of God. the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life and life more abundantly. Praise God. Amen. I have come that may have life and life more abundantly. Church, Jesus is the door out of your trouble and sin. Jesus is the door of your deliverance. Jesus is the door of your victory. Jesus is the door of your joy and your peace. Jesus is the door of your salvation and your hope and your healing this morning. He is something that this world cannot offer. How many many have found that in in Jesus? I want to read something right before we pray this morning that I found that was very powerful. You might have seen or heard it. It says, the greatest man in history is Jesus. He had no servants, yet they called him master. He had no degree, yet they called him teacher. He had no medicines, yet they called him healer. He had no army, yet kings feared him. He won no military battles, yet he conquered the world. He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. He was buried in a tomb, yet he lives today. Praise God. Amen. That's the Jesus, the door of hope this morning for you. Father, as we pray this morning, we ask you to help us realize that God, if they're in a valley of trouble right now, the good news is the bad news is wrong. The good news is the bad news is temporary. The good news is the bad news is a lie. The good news is the bad news is gone.